Welcome to another episode of NapChat. Today we're going to be talking all around continuous deployment with the team here at Natilic. So today I have Adam, Matthias and Danny on NapChat. Hi guys. Hi. Uh, afternoon. Hi Ellie. Okay, so we're, we're going to dive straight into it and we're going to kick off, we're going to come to you first Adam. So first of all, we're talking about continuous deployment and one of the acronyms which comes along with this is CICD. So it would be great if you could just set a little bit of context to everybody listening in today on, on what that is. And and then also kind of like how do Natilic apply continuous deployment? What what does that mean to us? What are what is our approach here in Natilic? Sure, sure, Haley. Um so CICD or CICD pipelines as they're sometimes referred to. Um, stand for continuous integration and continuous deployment. Um, they're the practice of combining automation tools and software best practice to allow your development teams to rapidly deploy code faster in smaller snippets. So traditionally, there have been like major milestones for releases with lots of work going into producing that milestone, many new features and, and, and components. And quite often that release would be quite difficult to get out the door. You'd have lots of breaking changes. So CICD allows you to actually release all of those small incremental changes that might have been part of that major release all individually. Um, and to do that, you have to have a decent amount of automation, both for your infrastructure and for your software development process in place to make sure that all of those small releases can be done consistently. So how do we use it ourselves in Natilic? So we actually do quite a bit of hosting. A lot of guys, a lot of people won't know this, but we host and provide various um, as a service products for our customers. Um, and some of these are developed in-house. Um, and so we have these CI/CD processes built built in to support that development process. So what we're going to talk about more today is the continuous deployment piece, um, as this is more, more related to the infrastructure. Continuous integration is more around testing. Continuous deployment is more around the actual process of automating the infrastructure and deployment process. So in order to automate the deployment process internally, we use a couple of tools. The first one is HashiCorp Terraform. We use Terraform to automate the deployment and provisioning of the infrastructure that the application sits on top of. And we use HashiCorp Console. HashiCorp Console provides service discovery and security once the application is actually deployed. So when a new application is deployed, developers and other um, components within the system are able to discover that newly deployed application and then consume it as necessary. So without service discovery, your teams are going to be stuck having to do things like manually set IP addresses or static IP addresses on boxes or um, reliant on your uh, infrastructure team building out new servers in order to host this environment. Whereas once you have continuous, uh, once you have continuous, there you go, great, mess that bit up already. That can get cut. <laughs> once you have console in place for service discovery, you no longer need to use static IP addresses. You can simply release your software use DHCP and rely on console's DNS interface to dynamically discover your newly released application. And so you mentioned a couple of these these tools here. Are they completely intrinsic to actually getting to that state? You know, if I was looking at my infrastructure now and it was, well, I was looking at quite a legacy um, like environment, how many of these building blocks that you mentioned would need to be in place for, for me to get to this continuous deployment 
and kind of final outcome you know what how many micro steps or, or, or massive steps are there so it really depends on the scale and complexity of your application and the infrastructure that you're using to host your, your, your application. So if you've got a relatively simple application and it's hosted in a public cloud environment, um, then you may have a relatively simple CI/CD pipeline um, and the tools uh, that you need around that and complexity could be you know, relatively low. Um, but if you've got a you know, significantly complex application or you're coming from an environment that has significant complexity in the underlying infrastructure, which you know, many, many large organizations do, then you really do need um, tools to automate the provisioning and control of that infrastructure through the release process. And that's why you need things like Terraform and console there. So as an example, um, you know, in the traditional world, if you're going to do a release, you may need uh, new infrastructure for that. You might need new network infrastructure, new server infrastructure, new VMs provisioned. Um, your application would then be released to those new VMs sat on top of an operating system and making sure that all of those components are consistent between releases was a, a manual process and incredibly prone to error. Um, the idea here with continuous deployment is that you use tools like Terraform to provide consistency in the way that you deploy that infrastructure by removing it from being a manual user-driven process to being an automated uh, deployment process driven by infrastructure as code that you would obviously store as alongside your actual application code in your source code management tool. So yeah, it, it's all about streamlining the deployment process, removing those manual steps and making it as repeatable and consistent as possible between releases. No, that's really interesting. And and Danny, you work with quite a few of our clients who are kind of going on this process at the moment. You know, how are they finding applying this as a new approach? And you know, what actually, probably quite interestingly, what's driving them to even consider it in the first place? Yeah, it's a uh, real good question, Sally. And I think you know, in terms of our clients, what we've seen is um, you know, a key word on their mind is, is automation and consistency. So, you know, with more and more of our clients adopting a hybrid cloud, a hybrid cloud approach, sorry, um, to, to their deployments and to their sort of, you know, data center strategy, uh, they still need to manage all of their, their environments. Um, and they want to do this in the same and consistent manner holistically. Uh, so we've we've seen a lot of clients adopt CI/CD and a lot of the tools Adam spoke about, specifically uh, HashiCorp and, and Terraform for that kind of deployment. Uh, and it's definitely been uh, a big uh, uptrend in the past year with our clients. Um, and one of the, the main benefits, as Adam touched upon, that sort of consistency uh, in terms of language to deploy uh, to both uh, on-prem uh, and all public clouds. You know, and that sort of you know, drives forward from an operational standpoint. You're drastically removing. Uh, the reliance or, or needing to know intrinsically the inner workings of each public cloud uh, and indeed their constructs. So from a drive, from a sort of, a, uh, you know, another reason why clients wanted to do this, um, again, that simplifying, common, simplifying the common tasks that can often lend themselves to introducing errors into deployment. Um, and we're, we're obviously we're talking about the human error factor here. Uh, and using uh, sort of, you know, this methodology of consistent deployment um, uh, can help mitigate against, against these issues. So again, using tools like you know, GitHub, GitLab, uh, you, know, you can have administrators in place to approve or deny changes to the network or application uh, to, you know, to reduce these errors. And furthermore, with, with HashiCorp and Terraform and uh, the Sentinel um, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, technology. Uh, you can you can introduce policy as code. So you have the ability to uh, ensure that what you're deploying complies with the client's internal policies. So it can be something as simple as you know ensuring that um, your company's naming standards are in place before you deploy uh, any new uh, logical constructs. What subnets can or cannot be used, uh, and even going as far as controlling cloud costs. So developers might want to you know spin up certain uh, compute instant compute uh, yeah sorry instances in the public cloud. Uh, but you know they might have carte blanche at the moment just to say oh well we could uh, you know we could spin up whatever we like and run thousands of dollars of bills per month uh, to the company. But you know in, in introducing this policy as code can limit that uh, to say like well developers only have a set limit to go for five hundred dollars a month uh, for certain uh, EC2 or example for example um, cloud uh, compute instance. And then finally like for for the in terms of like the relevance of, of you know application versus um, uh, versus uh, infrastructure, uh, we've definitely seen a shift from our clients um, that is just no, it isn't all about you know doing the uh, automation and using like tools like HashiCorp and Terraform for applications. So uh, network and security constructs, whether that be on-prem or public cloud, still have a vital uh, part to play, right? Because if you're um, if you're making changes to uh, the network or security, you're not directly impacting that application in the sense that you know you're not altering any of the codes um, surrounding the function functioning of that application. But for the network and security, you know it does have an effect on uh, the way that um, you know, that uh, application can move or reside, and um, you know it has a reliance on the network and security. So um, you know, all these tools uh, can help um, businesses. Uh, mitigate against risk, uh, improve agility, um, and you know, tools like HashiCorp have a great uh, big part to play in that. Yeah, that's really interesting. A couple of points there as well. We, we've discussed on previous podcasts in getting that balance, especially within the security approach. And obviously, we all know that um, cybersecurity skills are in like extremely high demand at the moment. And where's that balance between taking uh, cybersecurity skills and knowledge and actually utilizing um, like policy as code and being able to implement what you want to do and knowing that it's going to be consistent across all your business no matter who picks it up or who makes uh, changes so I think it really helps when a company is looking to grow but actually knowing that they can take the knowledge of one person and apply it to everything that will happen um yeah so okay so yeah and and, and again like you know, like you were saying Haley, with the sentinel piece uh with certain like constructs um when they're deployed uh sometimes it's not a, uh, easy as just to sort of change one of the attributes uh about that construct um you know sometimes you actually have to delete that construct and able to make you know what it may be a simple change right um uh, which is not always um you don't always have the ability to do that because that construct will have dependencies upon that construct and you might take down part of a network that you really don't want to take down just to make a simple change. So introducing that policy as code before that construct is deployed, uh, make sure you can ensure that from a business perspective, you are complying with all the standards that you know you want to have in place. Yeah, no, exactly. And obviously and another point that you mentioned, which I thought was quite interesting and a little bit of a flip side, obviously that cost control. Now, I know we often hear when, when businesses are going on this journey that there is this sort of like shadow DevOps and we, we're not really sure where they, where everything is or how much it's costing. Or, And I think when people are actually building out the business cases to kind of move in and bring in things like 
HashiCorp and Terraform. And, and it's a great it's a great reason to bring to the business the fact that you'll be able to have that control. Um, and it actually translates to the bottom line, really. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, all, all that's done prior to what the developer or whoever it, whoever it may be actually deploying that construct. So it's not like, okay, you could deploy it and then you'll get a notification saying, oh, by the way, this is actually going to costing X. You know, you're you're not spending the money at all. You're You're cutting yourself off before that gets deployed so again you know you're you're from an operational standpoint uh it's uh it's, it's great for saving money yeah and obviously there's quite a few different like challenges from like an operational standpoint like you say and i know matthias you have had quite a bit of experience like internally and taking clients through like externally on some of the challenges when like applying new methodologies and new ways of working bringing in these new tools and approaches you know, what are the kind of you know, the do's, the don'ts, the lessons learned, challenges, benefits that you've seen come up time and time again? Yeah, sure, Haley. Yeah, we've been we've been working with a team, uh, you know, of our of our architects and engineers with loads of our clients, uh, and assisting in them in the in the building their teams, their new DevOps teams. Uh, they obviously don't want to stay behind. You know, they want to be in it and and doing what. Uh, you know, all that cool technology is on the market. And I, I think, you know, um, there are obviously loads of value in it, but there are loads of challenges as well. I think I'm, I'm based on what Adam was saying and Danny was saying, it, it, I would summarize it in like three main areas. The one area is the culture. The second main challenge in terms of the, uh, in, in terms of the area, in terms of the challenges is skills. Uh, and the third one are the processes. I think when you look at the clients, how they building their teams or they've been building the teams for the last 10 or 20 years, it was always very siloed. So there has been the team of you know people who were deploying the servers, people who were deploying the databases and people who were managing the network. Uh, it was never sort of this layer on top of all those teams working together and collaborate together. So DevOps, it's, it is actually you know great opportunity about bringing those teams together. And I think that was usually the value of the partner like us, who sort of kind of, you know, neutral role in these in these meetings and bringing all these teams together and making sure that everyone communicates and start building uh, something together, which is quite new. Uh, and uh, it's, it's also exciting. The second one are the skills. Um, obviously, there's a big gap in terms of these skills, and we're trying to help our clients through that journey as well. So we're helping them to uh, run some sessions where we uh, where we educate them a little bit, helping them in terms of the resources. There are some like great free resources on the internet as well, mainly around Hashi. I would highly recommend you learn HashiCorp.com. It's a great resource for anything around you know you need around the DevOps and how to configure any any of their products. Um, and uh, that leads usually into the adoption. I think adoption is one one thing which I didn't mention, but it's very important. We're trying to be focused on it a little bit more uh, in the last few months. Um, you know, delivering the technology is, in my opinion, always the easiest bit. Uh, what is the most challenging one is that when you deliver it, how are you going to use it? How are you going to utilize it? Are you really getting most out of the technology? And is your team actually upskilled? and able to use that product correctly. Uh, that's a big challenge right now uh, on the market in general, and we're trying to trying to assist our clients around the adoption. And the last not least are the processes. So uh, sometimes we're actually spending most of our time in building the processes and helping uh, 
clients to build something which uh, sometimes try to squeeze the approval time, for instance, from weeks to days, uh, sometimes even hours. Because if you have what Adam was mentioning and then he was mentioning about the automation and the pipelines and all these tests can be automated, that's a huge relief for uh, managers, you know, reviewing every single change and actually speed up the process, uh, which can then go all the way back into the culture. Because if you are able to approve the changes very quickly uh, and they can be fastly paced, you immediately are able to raise more changes in a much short and, and get them implemented in a much shorter time. So you're actually like splitting the large changes into the multiple, multiple small ones. And that usually goes into the culture as well, because we all know it, it used to be the case that you know there has been this big change on Wednesday evening. Uh, and uh, you know, if it went well, that was great. If it didn't go well, it had to be reversed. Uh, and that obviously takes other small changes with it together. So uh, you know, maybe you were waiting another week for this change going in place again. Um, so I think you know this is sort of a shift in the culture as well, because if you have a smaller changes which are consistent, as Dennis said, and they're passed through the pipeline in terms of the validation, et cetera, uh, you're able to roll back only small pieces, small chunks of these changes, and that massively can speed up your IT and how you're implementing and deploying new features, new applications in your infrastructure. And obviously that must really minimize the risk to the business as well. So that obviously the risk of outages and, and, and parts of the business like not operating as usual. I think when you're talking about culture as well, I think myself stepping, being a little bit outside of this world, when you look in and you see actually how much creativity this opens up, how much innovation and how many, how much any new ideas that just organically form within a company and building that to even build into the whole business strategy of being competitive in the market. This is where that digital transformation of what you're doing in your technology side really develops and results in what you're doing in your go-to-market strategy, how fast you can get to market, how you know, your brand perception and how secure you are. It all plays into each other. Do you think that how is the market responding to like the requirements of clients and, and is this going to be the next normal, do you think? I think you know. I think it's already becoming a normal, right? Uh, when you when you look at it, you know, when you look at the companies like Google and Amazon, they're already doing it for many many years. This sort of methodology. Um, I think we're now in the stage where enterprises are starting to adopting it. Uh, somewhere we're a little bit ahead, like you know, our Adam with his team, who's been you know doing this for many many years internally in our company, uh, and lots of our clients are sort of now. Um, at the stage where they want to be, uh, you know, do, do the DevOps uh, methodology and applying all these new uh, products like Console and Terraform into their infrastructure. I think we're in a really exciting place right now. Uh, I think all these products sort of matured uh, enough so they can be enterprise graded uh, and the enterprise, you know, are sort of ready to use them. And at the same time, enterprises are pushed due to like adoption of the cloud uh, to adopt these these kind of a new tools and, and new applications, uh, new methodologies. So uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think it it essentially became the norm, or is becoming a norm. Yeah, I mean, and and certainly just just on that as well. You know, speaking with a lot of clients and going back to sort of you know um, 
a few years ago or and even clients today you know some changes take uh, forever to, to to get approved and to do there's such a high or people are so risk averse you know that you have to have make sure it goes through how many different cab approval processes everything's checked and rechecked and still people are still nervous if you have that if you have that sort of you know CICD or that type of methodology in place uh, which is proven and tested and you also have some level of um, uh, you know, user um, validation to ensure that the change can take place and looks okay based on what's in that change then yeah like Matt has said you know it does speed up those network changes those application changes uh, and yeah get make sure the changes are pushed out uh, for whoever needs to consume them a lot more quickly Definitely. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. It's been really insightful listening to, to how you guys are approaching continuous deployment and, and what we're seeing in the market. So thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you for having us, Haley. You're welcome. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more around HashiCorp, Terraform and cost control on AWS, we are actually hosting an Attilic event in Sydney and we'd love to invite you. So after this podcast, there'll be a little um, click here link to register to register your interest and get in touch.